Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. All right, Emma Coburn is delightful. Yes, I said delightful. I have never called anyone or anything delightful. I, I don't think of myself as someone who calls things delightful. One of my friends, Jillian Lackritz, actually the founder of Yoey Baby, who's a previous guest on the show, once said to me, after a play date, Wilder was delightful. And I thought, that sounded so cool and totally natural. And then I thought, I wonder if I'll ever call anything delightful. <laughs> and I didn't for like two years. And well, guess what? Emma Coburn is delightful, pure and simple. She is fundamentally grounded she admits her flaws and faults and takes ownership and responsibility for them. The flaws make her human and the ownership of them makes her likable and relatable. She is clearly a superstar, like seriously, a physical specimen of a human being that in my opinion was created to excel in physical activity of some sort and she has found it. She is also drop-dead gorgeous. Her body is beautiful. It's a finely tuned machine that she treats with love, care, and constant attention, which she should because it's the vehicle by which she makes her living. But at the end of the day, what is really cool about her is that she has perspective. So many athletes, especially high high end, as if they're a product, um, you know, just high level elite athletes are emotional. They're caught up in the grind when they're chasing their dreams. They're easily demoralized and completely consumed by what they are doing. Uh, often sacrificing other things that are critically important, like their families and relationships. And they just can't see it at the time, but not Emma. She is definitely consumed, this is her living, but she also sees and respects the world around her. It's not all about Emma all the time. I love that about her. She has remained solid, grounded, and yes, delightful, even though she's been racing on the international pro circuit since she was 21 years old, she has won countless races. She's won an Olympic bronze in 2016, the first American to medal in the steeplechase. And she followed that by becoming the first American to ever win the world championship the following year. Freaking rock star. I think part of this may be due to her upbringing in both Boulder and then Crested Butte. So those of you who know Boulder, it's commonly referred to as, as living in the Boulder bubble. It's like not the real world. So if you think Boulder's a bubble, Crested Butte is undoubtedly even more so. 
Uh, Emma believes so much in what Crested Butte has to offer that she launched the Elk Run 5K to help promote the town and give back to Living Journeys, which is the local nonprofit that helps so many families deal with cancer. We talk about it on the show today. It's September 29th this year. The race itself truly sounds amazing. And I believe me, I've been in race management for 10 years. Um, I, I think it's more than a race though. This is an experience. I highly recommend you get out there. You got to make it a girl's weekend. Um, Elkrun5k.com. Check it out. I really want her to have an incredible race, race weekend. Not only a race for her, which is coming up soon, but an incredible Elk Run 5K because you know what? She's one of those people that you just want her to be successful. And if you need something to wear, hello, be sure to pop over to skirtsports.com and use the code RTWPODCAST15 for 15% off our new incredible fall prints and colors and styles, including the highly coveted Happy High Waist skirt, which was a sewing room style. That means a customer came up with the idea, it was voted on, it was funded, and we made it. And the new Watch Me Go top with peekaboo watch holes on both sleeves. Again, customer driven. So uh, both sleeves on that one because we no longer discriminate against lefties. So use RTW Podcast 15 to make your running life even happier. Um, and if you have a chance, pop over to YouTube. I uh, I have a channel there. It's, it's not uh, highly subscribed or highly frequented yet, but... I'm going to start putting some episodes on video. So I did record this one and it's hilarious. I, uh, I'm playing around with this format. There are always some funny little quirks that you can see on video that you obviously don't hear in the audio version. Um, the drawback is you have to stare at a screen to watch, but Hey, let's see what happens. All right, then everybody let's get on with the show basically january to september of like oh craziness i know you're so, so busy. i'm i was grateful that you waited <laughs> oh i was just like super psyched to uh to get you anytime and i wanted you to be in like a relaxed headspace of course you're coming into uh your biggest race of the year yeah yeah Woo! <laughs> what is that race um the diamond league final which wow. is in brussels uh we race the series we race primarily is called the Diamond League and that has the top 10 or 12 athletes in the world competing every time so I race a lot of the same faces every time um, I'm on the starting line and um, that circuit is primarily um, primarily in Europe but some in Asia some in the U.S. Um, but the (laughs) that was not (laughs) a beer just cracking a LaCroix everyone (laughs) Um, but yeah so that that circuit is really um, the best of the best in the world. And the final, which is the biggest race of them all, is at the end of August um, in Brussels. Oh, so my gosh. So how long have you been racing on the international circuit where you're traveling like a huge chunk of the year? My first Diamond League race ever was in 2011. Um, so I made the world championship team when I was um, a junior in college at CU um, and that was in 2011 and then that summer I raced my first kind of international races to prep for the world championships and then the following year made the Olympic team um, 
And so since then have been doing this circuit every year. 2013, I didn't get to race um, the circuit internationally because I had a back injury. Um, I had a stress, re- stress fracture in my sacrum. Um, but Wait, every how, year besides how does that, that happen? just overuse. Oh, yeah. really? I've yeah. n- actually never heard of a stress fracture in your back from overuse. Yeah, it's, uh, I got one and then like, five people I knew got okay. them so. and I'm out of the loop no no it is it is um you always think of your you know your tibia or your feet um and so it is a little bit odd but it happens and uh unfortunately I had that in 2013 and so every other year um, gosh though I've been competing internationally yeah. and traveling and it's super fun and um okay but wait so you started when you were like 21 like, yeah. uh, were you mature enough? I mean, seriously, how do you <laughs> um, handle this life on the road at that age? And, you know, you're still going through college. Yeah, I was, I, when I made the world championship team in race world, I was 20 and was lucky to have coaches that were uh, mature and able to um, handle the, not only the, the training required, but also kind of the mindset that was required. Um, my college coaches were, always uh trying to have us have long careers and not just get the most out of us when we were you know in our four years in college and burn us out so they were always mindful of that and um I I was lucky to kind of have their guidance when I made my you know I made two teams while in college so had to race against professionals raced against the best in the world while still you know going to class and all of that well, but um and let's let's let people know too you went to see you you know boulder which is very well known for their running programs and i think wasn't um, mark wetmore your coach yeah so um mark wetmore and heather burrows are the coaches there still um and we had a great running program a great history there i was born in boulder and lived here until I was seven and then moved to Crested Butte. And my family has always had season tickets to Buffs games. I went to my first football game here when I was like 10 days old. Um, my grandpa has been like the longest living donor to the athletic department. Like my family are Buffs. And so even before running was in my life, <laughs> I was going to go to see you. And then I just happened to luck into, uh, you know, being good enough where they recruited me to run there. Um, but I was always going to be a student at University of Colorado, no matter what. And it just, I was lucky that they had a really great running program with uh, good coaches that wanted me. Absolutely. But let me just say something. You don't luck into that. (laughs) So there's a little talent, probably some hard work. It was a little bit of luck. It was weird. I I grew up in Crested Butte playing, you know, small towns. The the beauty is you just get to participate in anything you feel like. there's, There's 15 kids, so they can't you know, make you pick and choose. Um, so every year I did basketball, volleyball, cross country and track. I also did ice hockey. Um, and then I quit that my, before my sophomore year, cause the boys were just getting too big and it was co-ed. Um, and so, and I wasn't good enough to compete with them, but, um, so I grew up playing all these sports, but I was never in love with running. I just did it because I was athletic and would win small races and that's always fun. And um, my parents had a rule that to get our allowance money, we had to participate in, in at least three sports a year. So my older siblings signed up for track. And so I just signed up for track because it was the only spring sport. 
And so I participated in track without loving running, without caring much about it. And then my junior year, my, um, my now husband moved to Crested Butte and he came to Crested Butte because there was this private running coach in Crested Butte that was, um, you know, had a, his name's Trent Sanderson. He had coached a lot of great, um, high school athletes and Trent was coaching. And so Joe found this private boarding school that's meant for skiers and snowboarders. Um, and Trent was a coach at this school, at this boarding school, um, cause he thought Crested Butte's such great running the altitude. We could have a great running program at the school. And so Joe went to the private school in Crested Butte. He's from Wisconsin. He grew up in Wisconsin and just found this school, found this coach, decided to move to the middle of nowhere in Colorado to pursue his dreams of running. And he and I became really close friends. And through that friendship, I and through Trent coaching me, I really learned that running was rewarding and running was fun and cool. And mm-hmm. basically I had a big crush on Joe and he thought running was cool. So. I started trying harder and running. Oh my gosh. So we can, we have a few people to thank. So we have your parents because they bribed you to do three sports and yes. only, so they put you in track because there's no other alternative for right. the third. Right. Okay, cool. So thanks to mom and dad. Yeah. Awesome. And then Joe. Okay. So you started loving running because you like secretly loved a boy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love it. kept it up because I, before I met Joe, I would, I would win races and that's always fun, but it was also stressful. I put way too much pressure on myself to be excellent. And, um, I thought if I'm not winning and I'm not, um, the best, then what's the point, you know, and I would drop out of races if it was hard and it was just kind of mentally a little weak. Um, and then I met Joe and I met Trent and they both, Joe started calling me out on some of my BS of like, why did you drop out of that race? That was stupid. And I'd try and give an excuse and he'd be like, no, that's not, that's stupid. That's not a real reason. And Trent really helped inspire me, um, and make me believe in myself and in my abilities. Um, and so, yeah, we have to thank Joe and Trent, but then we also have to thank whoever made the schedule at the great Southwest classic in 2007, because, um, that was this meet out of state in Albuquerque. And I had never done a steeplechase, had never really heard of it. It's not an event that high schoolers in Colorado get to participate in. And we are going to the great Southwest classic, this postseason track meet in Albuquerque. And I was going to run an 800 and my dad looked at the schedule and he thought just going down there to run two laps, that's not enough. We're driving all that way. And so he was like, what event could you double enter in? And he looks at the schedule and the only event that I could possibly double enter in was the steeplechase. So I tried it. But, and so for people listening who kind of know what it is, but I even had to look up like, what are these obstacles and things? Maybe you can give us yeah. a little education. Yeah, let me, let me pause. Yeah, sidebar here, the steeplechase, um, is 3,000 meters over hurdles, and the hurdles are called barriers. For women, they're 30 inches tall, and um, every lap, so it's seven and a half laps, every lap has, sorry, I should know this, five, let me just count, one, two, four, four barriers, and then a water jump, which the water jump is this 10-foot water pit that you have to clear. Um, 
I know this sounds super confusing, but just YouTube it. That's the easiest way to just, <laughs> just YouTube like <laughs> steeplechase. Like everything else yeah. in life. And um, so it's a, it's a relatively new event in track and field for women. Men have been doing it for decades, but um, women, it didn't get introduced into the Olympics until 2008. And so um, Jenny Simpson, who went to University of Colorado, she was in that first Olympics in the steeplechase. Um, and so anyway, it was very, not only new in track and field for women, but um, it's only offered in certain states. And so some of the East Coast states, it's pretty popular on the East Coast um, for high schoolers, but because of the water pit, you need a special, you, you need to have a pit built into your track. Right. So um, not all high school tracks have that. So um, it's not offered in, in Colorado races. Right. And, um, but because of that schedule in Albuquerque, we thought, okay, let's just go ahead and try it. And I didn't know... Um, I didn't know how many laps, I didn't know what to do, but I was kind of athletic enough from my other sports to figure it out. Like for me, a, a approach, um, going in for a layup was very similar to like going off the water jump, you know, and I, uh-huh, I had totally. kind of the coordination required for it. Um, well, and, and when you were growing up and you're quite a bit younger than me, they definitely didn't have this when I was young, but I don't think they had it with, for you either. It's like the whole parkour and ninja type movements. Yeah. That's not a, that wasn't a thing. No. We just like did our own parkour, like jumping off right. of rocks into rivers. We yeah, didn't, yeah. you know, we, <laughs> okay. I have to ask you something 30 inches. So is this about the height? So wait, stand Where does it hit on you? Yeah. It's about, <laughs> it's like. Mid, it's like the where my shorts okay. hit. Basically. So you could like take a running leap from back in the office and jump on this table. This table <laughs> might be a little high, but yeah, not in this dress. <laughs> Certainly not in this dress. And not um, you know, week and a half before your biggest yeah, race of the year. I yeah. love it. Um Wow. Anyway, so you just so went I, into that blind. I went in blind, but I won the race and qualified for high school nationals, and that's where my college coaches saw me and recruited me. Wait, so did it like was your confidence all of a sudden like skyrocketing and like it just hit you like this is what I'm meant to do? Or were you in your mind still a, a runner? In my mind I was um I've had a very slow adaptation to um kind of goal setting and where, where I want my life to be. And in terms of this career, I, even after I was starting to get recruited, I didn't even know if I wanted to run in college. Um, and then once I was in college, my dad, you know, I was a week out from going to practice and he was like, if you hate it, just make it one semester. And if you hate it, you can quit. And so even once I was on a college team, as soon as I got to practice, I loved it. I love being with the girls. I love being with the team. But even before, you know, the day before practice, it was like, I don't even know if this is what I want. Um, and, you know, I made the world championship team and the Olympic team. And those were certainly goals in the year leading up to it. But I wasn't the type of kid that had a poster of of a runner on my wall saying, I want to be an Olympic runner one day. So all of this kind of fell into place uh, definitely through a lot of hard work and through a lot of, um, practice, but it kind of fell into place early in my career before I could even keep up with it in terms of knowing that that was what I wanted to do. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, 
you're like the reluctant hero, you know, <laughs> like you're really good at this. I don't know. I don't know if that's <laughs> even interests me, you know, and yeah. it's like it was chasing you. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's it. Luckily, I had really good people around me that um, not only would confront me if I was being too reluctant, but would also support me and kind of push me. And so that started with, you know, my parents and my siblings and Joe and Trent and my coaches and other sports as well. Um, and then luckily had a really healthy college team that had goals of just being the best and, um, and coaches that wanted me to be the best in the U S um, even as a collegiate athlete, they wanted me to be the best out of all the professionals and everyone. So, um, I was lucky to have people around me to push me out of being the reluctant hero. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned earlier, I think is worthy of digging into, which was that you like sort of admitted I was mentally weak. And I always feel like the best athletes have to be the mentally strongest. And usually if you don't have that, you might not be able to develop it. Yeah, I so think... So how did you? Yeah. I mean, would you yeah. consider yourself pretty mentally strong now? Yeah, I, I'm really mentally tough. And I think it's... Um, running is just painful. It's really hard. And when I was younger, you know, in high school and... Um, once I got to college, I was always mentally tough. But um, in high school and middle school, when I was learning that the sport that I'm best in isn't always the most fun sport, um, and that's okay. You know, when I was trying to uh, push and win races um, in high school, it was all the negatives were just so overwhelming and like the physical pain of running was overwhelming. And I think compared to basketball or volleyball, when you're with your friends and it's super, you know, it's fun. It doesn't hurt. Obviously you, you know, in basketball you sprint a few times and you fall and whatever, there's moments of pain, but, um, compared to really digging deep in a race, you know, in high school, I would throw up after every single race or even during races because I was running so hard. Um, and so it just took, it took me some time to learn that like that hurt is good. And not only is that hurt good, but like when you are hurting, if you push through that, that's when you get even better. Um, and I think I, it took some time to adapt and, uh, and learn to accept that pain of it. Yeah. And you use the phrase like hurt. That's good. A good hurt. Like, I think a lot of people listening may be starting running at age 40, you know, 50, whatever. And they're just like, what is this? This is not fun. Like how do you have any thoughts for them on how, what is that? Did you learn that hurting was good or was it a way that you just re, you know, trained your mind? I think part of it is consistency. I, when I got to college, I, for the first time in my life ran every day, 50 weeks a year. Um, and in high school it was, you know, growing up in a ski town, we couldn't really run outside until late April. And so it'd be, it'd be our track season was basically the month of May. And so I was only running for a month. And so I was just never really in running shape. And so I think part of it is the consistency of day in, day out. And it's, you know, I, a lot of new runners will come up and say, Oh, running's so hard. I, I've, I always hate running. It's, and I say like, yeah, <laughs> running is hard. I hate running some days and it's my job. Um, and I think it's the tips I give is that 
consistency is the most important that if you can just get out your door like four to seven days a week and run one to three miles, just do that for six weeks and, and you will start to love it so much more. And it's, it's the consistency of once I got into college and having people to be accountable to, you know, teammates, um, meeting people for runs, all of that. Like I really, um, I think that consistency made my mental game shift to thinking, um, you know, yeah, this hurts, but that's okay. And it's supposed to hurt. And this is like, it also kind of feels good. And you know, it just being more familiar with it, I think helped my mental game shift. And then, you know, it's, there's so many moments of reward of, whether it's a race or practice or, um, you know, whatever small goal you have, if, if you can always make new goals for yourself in running and, um, whenever you achieve those, it's exhilarating and nothing beats it. So I think I was, I was Mm -hmm. learning how to balance the, the discomfort of it with the reward of it and the, um, you know, the, the passion just started growing more and more for it. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. But I think the real point is for anybody listening who's on the fence, stick, stick with it. Yeah. And it running is hard for everyone. You're watching everyone in the Olympics. All those people have had injuries. All of those people have had days that they don't want to get out of bed, that they don't feel like training because it, it sucks. And, and not all days, but some days. Um, and of course there are aches and pains, but I found that when, when I take my break in the off season, um, I really dislike running for the first couple of weeks because I'm, when I get back, mm-hmm. because I'm so out of shape and it, you know, it feels so different and uncomfortable. And so what I tell, you know, my friends that are getting into running or whoever is just like, just do it for six weeks, super consistently. And if you hate it at the, the end of that, and you don't like how your body's feeling at the end of it, then maybe you can try a different sport, but you can't just run once every two weeks and claim you hate running and that you're not good at it because no one is going to be able to be good at running and like running if you do it that infrequently. Yeah. And good is relative for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk off season for a minute since you mentioned it. Um, When is your off season? Really from mid-September to uh, mid-January, we have a break from racing, but I, I last year took two days off after my last race and then started running again. Um, I ended up taking probably 20 days off total in the fall. Um, and by off, do you mean like zero activity? Yeah. Yeah. When I take days off, it's a lot. I'm not a, I'm not a, um, cross training queen that I think it's all personal preference. Um, when I take a day off running, I generally take a day off of all activities. Last year I tried a few Pilates classes with my sister for fun and, you know, a few spin classes, but in general it's, you know, no activity and just enjoying being a regular gal. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we, we train really hard. And so it's nice to have you know, traditionally people take a week to three weeks off at the end of their season. Um, and it's really just a nice mental reset too, to say, you know, you worked really hard, you deserve a little, a little bit of a break mentally, and then you're kind of ready to re 
engage back in serious training um, by October or certainly early November. Every you know every group is uh, training pretty hard again. So do you like put on five pounds, ten pounds, and then have to take it off? Yeah, yeah. It's really annoying, isn't it? <laughs> but your body needs it. Yeah, theoretically. I, mean, I last year I typically race around one twenty, and last year I had a goal to gain ten pounds for my wedding, and uh, I weighed one thirty when I got married, and that was mid October, and um, and honestly, as soon as I get back into exercising, running consistently, and cutting out the late nights and eating less garbage it you know it goes back pretty quickly um I usually train at like 123 to 125 and then right before races cut down a little bit um but it's uh yeah my body kind of just knows knows that it's off season and let's just let's just enjoy it and then once training starts back up it kind of just clicks back in without too much effort Okay, so two things. We're getting to your wedding, so I want to talk about that. You married the man. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. married the cute boy. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, really quick in the off season, I mean, you're from Boulder slash Crested Butte. Did you ever get into skiing or some of the cool mountain adventure sports? Yeah, I loved skiing and snowboarding. Living in Crested Butte, my junior year of high school, I had a st- stress fracture in my foot or and planter in my feet and so my doctor was like just don't be in ski boots for a season and that'll really help and so um or that must have been my senior year I'm sorry I'm getting it all confused but basically my last year in high school I didn't get to ski much and um so I, I honestly haven't skied really in 10 years um and yeah. I miss it because we grew up where our gym class was skiing twice a week was my gym class. Um, and yeah. then skiing on the weekends and Crested Butte has great skiing. And uh, I, I grew up skiing and then learned to snowboard when I was in high school. Um, so did both, loved both. Um, I'm so spoiled though, because Crested Butte, it's like you could go from your front door to being on the chairlift in less than 10, 15 minutes. And you just get so spoiled. Like I can't. Yeah. Driving from Boulder up to the mountains, it just seems so far, but. Well, you know, and that's one thing that I appreciate about you is that you understand and respect other sports as well. A lot of people get really wrapped up in their own little worlds and they forget that there's a lot of other cool things to do, whether you can do it at this time in your life or not. I mean, you also don't want to get injured. I swear everybody I meet who's got a knee injury is like, blew it out on the hill, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it, I look forward to that point in my life that I can do other things. Um, certainly skiing again. Um, it's, it's so fun. But I, uh, yeah, I have to be pretty protective of myself oh, currently. Yeah. But I mean, living in a place like, Boulder, working out at Rally Sport, um, growing up in Crested Butte, you're just surrounded by so many incredible athletes all the time in other, across all sports that, you know, you can't, 
you can't ignore it. It's, it's all oh, yeah. encompassing and I love it. That's what I love so much about growing up in, in these two places. They're so fit and healthy and active and value. Um, you know, you ask what people do and they don't say their job. They say like, Oh, I ski, you know, <laughs> totally. I saw a bunch of people on those like dry land skis going up the hills today. Oh yeah. You know, the Already. skate ski things. Uh-huh. Um, so rally sport, do you know that Aaron Carson was like my fifth or sixth interview ever? Oh. I love her. Such a great lady. I she's, know. She's awesome. Kudos love, to you, Love Aaron. the gym. I love it because, yeah, you look around and there's like, oh, that's a Ironman world champion. That's a track and field <laughs> world champion. That's, that's, you know, Frank Shorter. And that, you know, you just, you just <laughs> totally. look around and, and you can just. <laughs> that's Emma Cope. You, you're like, that's a ah. CrossFit champion. You're like, yeah. what? I don't, I don't even know. These were, these were people that lived in Boulder, but yeah. they do. And they I, all come I here know, and I know. it's pretty cool. It really is. And so, you know, when you surround yourself by people, like I was thinking about this with you, how you've spent what, eight years elevating the playing field, at least for the Americans, you know, and just like one after another doing things that people probably said an American would never do, right? Your time's getting faster and faster and faster. And so it's important to surround yourself by people at that level, but then you also run the risk of elevating them too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, but it's been, it's been a really cool journey so far. And, you know, I came into college and Jenny Simpson was still a steeplechaser at the time. And she set the American record at nine twelve um, when she was a senior in college and then she moved on to do the 1500 and is now a four-time medalist um, in that event, an Olympic bronze medalist in that event um, and world champion. So she's doing all right outside the steeplechase, but she definitely pushed the barriers for um, women's steeplechase. I remember the year after Jenny did that, I was at practice one day and, and I was like joking around with, um, coach Wetmore and was like, Oh, you think I'll ever run nine twelve in the steeple? And he was like, well, you'll run nine twelve in something as in like, like they, no American is ever going to hit that time ever again. You know, he was kind of saying it, he believed in me and my abilities, but it was just nine twelve was so, so fast. And you weren't there. You weren't well, in, the, and, in the realm yet. And all other Americans had only ever run nine twenty before. And she ran nine twelve, and it was just this big, big moment. And then, and then, Three years later, or five five years later, I ran nine eleven, and um, then two years after that, I ran nine oh seven. The next year after that, I ran nine oh two. I'm hoping to run under nine minutes this year. So it, it definitely keeps um, the expectations keep yeah. rising, and it's it's been great. And I mean, there's definitely um, it's the women's steeplechase in the U S is so competitive now. And, um, you know, the, at world's last year, world championships, I won gold and another American Courtney Freericks got silver. And that was just, no one expected that. Unheard I was ranked, yeah. I was ranked sixth coming in and she it was, was awesome. ranked, I don't even know, 12th coming in. And, um, Amazing. and now Courtney's run nine minutes and, um, is the fastest American ever so far. Um, and so it's, you know, she and I certainly have pushed each other and, um, I have no plans of, of stopping that Mm -hmm. journey. You know, I want to keep pushing the envelope and I feel like I can run faster and it's, um, yeah, it's been fun to kind of push the limits and, um, 
take over what Jenny started and then do my best to carry that yeah. for, for these last, you know, seven or eight years. And then, um, you know, hopefully continue that. Well, I mean, you know, you mentioned too, like you used to get really, really nervous before races. Now you're a veteran. You've been doing this for years. You've been winning titles Then someone upsets you, you know, you're, and you're constantly pushing the edge. Do you still get really nervous? No, I, I was like wow. more nervous for a high school race than I was like on the starting line of the Olympics. How do you manage it's, that? How does that, how did, what happened? <laughs> I think I just started having a better perspective, um, about myself and honestly, Joe just doesn't let me whine or complain. And so if I ever, um, if I ever, you know, complain or doubt myself or, you know, complain that something's not fair for me or complain that I'm not good enough or whatever. He just calls me out on it and says like, no, shut up. You've been training well, you're prepared. Um, and, and, he, and you trust him and he's part of your support. And so you can take comfort in Yeah. Him. And yeah. he coaches me now. Um, he started coaching me last October of 2016. Um, and so it's, he was a big role in it. Um, just, he doesn't take BS and he's pretty straightforward and, um, not super emotional. And so if I ever was like overly emotional, overly nervous about a race, he would just kind of call me out and bring me back to earth and be like, what are you worried about? It's just a race. Like it's just running, get over it. And that kind of wow. helps getting, getting, uh, his perspective really helped me. But then yeah. also, um, you know, when I'm on a starting line, I'm just, trying to be the best version of myself and like I can't control what anyone else did in training to get here I can't control whether or not they're clean or dirty I can't control if they're if they're good or bad or have had a great training cycle or a bad training cycle I can just control myself and so in practice I'm controlling I'm in control of myself and I'm pushing myself so hard because I know on that starting line I it's all just about me. And if I bring the best version of myself on that day and I come up short, I'm going to be okay with it. You know, and, in Monaco, I brought the best Monaco diamond league this summer was the first time I was beat by an American in seven years or no, I was beat one other time, but yeah, point is, um, first time I'd been beat in a long time and, uh, by an American and I crossed the finish line and thought a bad word. And then I just immediately like was content and thought, you know, and hugged Courtney and congratulated her and thought, well, I, I did my max today and I, I wish I came up short, but I know I, I did everything I could. And I played all the mind games I possibly knew how to play in internally to push mm -hmm. and I came up short. And so have to be satisfied enough with that. Um, and then there's days it works out for you where you bring your best and you are the best. But for me, it, I, I get less nervous knowing that it's just about me bringing my best and me, you know, trying to, to show what my work has been. Um, and it's not about anyone else. Wow. 
That's a really refreshing outlook because I was going to ask you, like, what's the Emma like who wins races and what's the Emma like who loses races? And it sounds <laughs> the same like, person. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And congrats and, for like getting to a place of perspective and maturity here. Oh, thanks. Because I mean, there's a lot of babies out there. <laughs> I think it's, it's, um, some people are, are motivated differently. Some people are motivated by, um, kind of fueling the fire of a little bit of hatred and, and pinning the poster of who they want to beat on their wall and thinking about them every day. And that's fine. If you're wired like that, that's, it's not saying you're a bad person at all. A lot of people are motivated that way. And I'm not, I'm motivated by being my best self and bringing my best out at practice and bringing my best out at race day. Um, and so, yeah, if I, if I bring my best self and I'm not, I'm not the best that day and I'm not, I'm not the winner, it's, it's fine. I mean, I have to be able to correct whatever I did in training that was a mistake or whatever tactic I did that was a mistake. I'm not living in la la land. Like I'm not, I'm not, uh, just pretending it didn't happen, but I can, I can think, yeah, I gave it my all and I obviously had some errors let's fix these errors and try again. Are there any other things that have happened in your life to help you gain this perspective? I think I'm really lucky to have people in my life that love me for me, no matter what, whether I'm winning or losing or hurt or healthy. Um, I've been just super blessed to have a family um, and lifelong friends that believe in me and and even if I'm not the best still love me and care about me and um and think that I'm meaningful to them um and my main sponsor New Balance they really make me feel that way um the day before I signed my contract with them five years ago I found out about this stress fracture in my back and called and said, you know, I'm not gonna be able to race most likely all summer. You can get out of the contract. I haven't signed anything. And they're like, no, same deal. We believe in you. We love you. We care about you. Wow. Um, and so having a sponsor that's not just about results and is about your happiness and your well-being and your health, um, that really helps, um, you know, helps the cause too. But I yeah. think it's just the people around me that have helped shape kind of that that good perspective well and and I do think that you know at a certain point in life we realize we don't get validation from other people but it helps to have the support totally and I think it's I mean being an endurance athlete is a vulnerable experience and luckily my distance isn't as long as an Ironman I'm only suffering for nine yeah. minutes not not <laughs> hours minutes, and hours though. oh it's but, like the worst nine minutes ever <laughs> but it is you're vulnerable and it's just yeah. you out there you can't hide yourself with it you know you're not on a basketball team you're not on a volleyball team you can't hide yourself with your teammates you can't hide behind your teammates skills totally. it's just you and it obviously takes a team of people to prepare you for that moment but it's it's a vulnerable experience and so I think um having good perspective on who you are, why you do what you do, how important this specific moment is in your lifetime or how important this specific career is in your lifetime. Having a good perspective on all of that is is important because it is 
at the end of the day about it's just you out there and if you're yeah. panicked about that you you you'll fail and I think a little bit in high school that was some of my issues is that it was just me out there and I can't I can't pass the ball to another friend in my teammate yeah, and have yeah. have the attention go to them um but yeah I've I feel like it's uh you know to have a good perspective of of the meaning of of a certain race is important and keeping that good healthy perspective and keeping um kind of a balanced happy life yeah you know um talking about support and the team around you i'm gonna i'm very curious about your relationship with your husband <laughs> like i want to dig in here I mean, I really, A, don't know many athletes that can be coached by their spouses. Tim and I could never do that. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't work. I would get too defensive. Like, I am trying hard, you know? It's that kind of thing. Um, not only that, but you've known him for so long. And, you know, how did you guys travel down this path together and then make that huge decision to work together in a very important capacity? Yeah, it's... It goes really smoothly, um, and I think part of it is because we have we have other teammates. Um, so I started being coached by Joe in October of 2016, and um, it by December we thought, okay, let's go, just go through a year, and if it's not working well, I'll join a different training group, or we'll move and join a training group out of state, or you know we'll figure it out, but. In December, a friend of mine who runs the steeplechase, Aisha Lear, she's a Jamaican um, Olympian, and she she reached out and said, I am looking for a coach. Can I come to Colorado and train with you? And we're like, sure. She's super bubbly, super positive. Um, we get along really well. And so, honestly, as soon as she moved to Colorado in January of 17, it just clicked right in of like when we're excuse me when we're at practice Joe's coach we're athletes he like the the boundaries are so clear and so the funny thing is though the times that before Aisha joined us there there would be a few workouts that I would be thinking in my head like does he know how hard this is? Like, or I'd be a little whiny <laughs> or just a little victim-y. And, yeah. and, and that's the spouse side. And uh, there's there's been workouts since that, um, you know, I'm hurting so badly. And if it weren't for my teammates being there, I'd probably like be a little sassy back. But, uh-huh. but it's clear that I'm supposed to be hurting. This is practice, you know this is how it is. And so having teammates around really helps that balance of, of coach athlete. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, we've known each other since I was 16 and, um, he's, as I said, super honest and really, uh, he was a, he was a great runner himself. Went to university of Colorado was like a six time all American in the 5k, 10k. He's a very, um, studious person and just his passion in life has always been running but not just participating in running but um reading about you know the glory runners of the olden olden decades um reading about 
um, physiology and different training techniques and strength training. He's just, he just loves consuming information, anything about running. And so when I was needing a coaching change, I, we thought, well, we want to stay in Boulder and you think you could coach me? And, and he, um, I just trusted him so much just through knowing his own experience with running, knowing how thoughtful he is and kind of studious he is and that he would really, um, take on the challenge, um, seriously. And then just knowing our dynamic that he, he would travel with me to all these international races. And he, obviously my, my college coaches were huge on the, on the training side, but Joe was huge on the, you know, mental, emotional side as well. So he's, um, he's just been involved in my running career from the very beginning. And so, um, it, it didn't seem like a big leap of faith. It Mm -hmm. seemed like, uh, it seemed perfect for us. And, um, yeah, it's been almost two years now and we've, you know, won a world championship gold last year and two U S championships, um, in these last two years. So, things are good. It's working. It's working. And yeah, you can't call it a fluke. If it's one, it's a fluke. Maybe some people might think you, you keep putting it down. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're a good team. Um, so you talked about, you said something most women would like, just like, I hate her. You had to put on 10 pounds for your wedding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So were you trying to just be feeling really healthy? Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm lucky. I think growing up playing so many sports, I've, I've never had any body image issues because I've always just like seen my body as the, the tool that lets me play all these sports and do all these fun things. And I've never been, um, you know, self-conscious or ashamed of anything. Um, and, and really I just wanted to have a little bit of a booty in my wedding dress. I had a tight wedding dress and thought, let me just get a little, a little bit of curve here. Um, and you know, it's not a hard task to, to gain seven to 10 pounds. Um, especially when you're just eating cake and drinking beer, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty easy task, but I, you know, I zip my wedding dress up and thought, yep. Oh, that's where all that beer went. Got it. <laughs> you know, did it go to the booty? Yeah. Please, if we could just transfer it to exactly yeah. where we want it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, it, the whole point that you have such a positive sense of who you are and you don't look at your body in any certain way. I mean, that is a gift. Yeah, I hope I, you can pass that on to more people. <laughs> well, thanks. I didn't know it was. Um, I didn't know it was so rare to have that relationship with your body um, until you know I was in college and and growing up in a tiny ski town. Everyone is so athletic, and um, and not everyone's stick skinny, but everyone's you know athletes and they're mm-hmm. they're whatever their shape or size they're using their bodies to you know right. go explore and be adventurous and whatever so I didn't really get exposed to that side of of being a woman and and those insecurities yeah. until I was in college and and even you know specifically distance running is a really challenging space to be in as a woman there's so many eating disorders and oh, yeah. um 
disordered eating habits and, um, it's an easy trap to fall into. And I was lucky to have really, um, not only have a good relationship with my body and my food choices my whole life, but then also was on a team that had really healthy eating habits with coaches that encourage healthy eating habits. Um, and so I've, I've been lucky to kind of, uh, never think negatively of myself. Um, and I did the ESPN body issue a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and, um, that was kind of the first time I was ever interviewed about how I feel about my body. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I should have an, I I guess a lot of people have opinions about their bodies. Well, this is mine that I don't think about it. And, uh, and that if I do think about it, I'm thinking about like, all right, how can I get more power for the water jump? What do I need to do? What, what muscle do do I need to develop or, you know, whatever it's, it's more of thinking not, you know, only was my wedding like, Oh, I want a bigger butt. So I'm going to drink more right. beer and have more cake. <laughs> Usually it's, it's, if I am thinking about my body, it's thinking like, Oh, my, my TFL is a little sore today. I need to roll that out. Not right. Not absolutely. My waist needs to be 23 inches and whatever. Well, let me ask you a body question. That's slightly more personal and probing. You can pass on it if you want, but are you someone who knew from early on in your life that you do or don't want kids? I definitely want kids. Um, which is a funny part of being a professional athlete. Um, big decision, especially with Olympic track and field Olympic cycles. Um, world championships are in track and field every two years. And then the Olympics are every four years. And so how that works out is that, you know, it's Olympics, world championships off year, world championships, Olympics, you know, so every four years, so the baby fits into the (laughs) off years, so you can have a baby every four years. That's how, that's how (laughs) a lot of female track athletes, you know, this year is an off year. There's Mm -hmm. no world championships. So, um, a lot of athletes are having, a lot of women are having babies this year. Um, and so after August 28th, no, we're going to get moving. Yeah, no, <laughs> I missed quite. my window. Oh, oh no. dang it. Okay. Okay. Um, got it. But no, but, I do no, want that's... kids. And I, I, Joe's from a family of, um, there's five siblings and yeah. I have four siblings. So I would love a big family. Um, and the hard thing is when you have such momentum in your, in your, not just your career, but kind of your, um, your training and your times and the whole, uh, you know, how your body's feeling, you have positive momentum in that. It's difficult to give that part up. I know, um, I know. It's, um, it, it, but it can be done and you can come back as stronger, mm-hmm. stronger, and you know that, but at the same time, anything can happen. Yeah. So it's a risk either way. So yeah, I, I will look forward to like watching <laughs> that next chapter when it my, occurs. Uh, my sister has a two-year-old and they live in Boulder and I spend plenty of time with um, my nephew Augie. And so that helps, that helps me, you know, with any baby fever I have, I get to spend a lot of time with him. Um, but yeah, I'll have hopefully plenty of kids eventually. Plenty. I love that. (laughs) Well, let's move. Um, you know, we're going to get wrapping up soon, but I, uh, I want to talk to you about this incredible event that you started. So, you like something happened in like 2016 it's like you got married your husband became your coach you you know the next season you become a world champion first american to win gold in the world championships and you start this run this charitable run in crested butte called the elk run 5k yeah um in 2017 
leading into 2017, Joe thought, let's do this race and thought there's no way we're planning a wedding. We have the world championships this year. Like I don't want to add more to our plate. And he thought there's never a good time. Let's just do it. And so people whole, say when they have kids, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is a good time. <laughs> yeah. The, um, anyway, so the Elkhorn 5k was started because I have such a passion about Crest Butte and the community there. And a real pillar of the community is a charity called Living Journeys. And what's cool about them is they're a cancer support charity and they give um, financial, direct financial aid and counseling services to people battling cancer. So anything from paying for your hotel room in Denver if you need to come and get treatment um, or your grocery bill or your medical bills um, to counseling services for your caregivers. Um, and so it's it's a really impactful um, charity. And because the community is so small, everyone has, you know, everyone in the community knows each other and everyone knows someone who's directly benefited from living journeys. And my mom used to be on the board, a really close family friend of mine started the charity. I've been volunteering with them in some capacity since high school. Um, And so I was just getting to a point in my career that I really wanted to find an opportunity to engage with Crested Butte more and create something for Crested Butte as almost like a thank you for help, you know, raising me into this athlete that I am now. Um, and then contribute back to the charity living journeys. And so we started the 5k. Um, so, so Joe would like, he preempted it though. He was like, it's time the give back, you know, sort of vibe is here. Yeah. Like, we're doing great. Life is on a roll. It's time. And you got, you got your head around that and embraced it. Yeah. He's always, I'm always a little bit more comfortable with whatever the status quo is. And he's always pushing it a little bit more. So I think it's, it's a good coach, balance for the, each other. The coach athlete yeah. relationship in all levels. Yeah. So, um, one of our, one of our family friends is on the board and they wanted me to be involved with, um, the, the charity does a half marathon during the summer, which I I'm always out of town for. And so they wanted to see if I could, you know, help be involved. And I said, I can't be involved because I'm out of town for all this race, but I'm going to be involved in a different way. And so we started the race, um, to give back to living, to living journeys. But yeah, Joe thought let's while, while you don't have to wait for your career to be done to do something special for your hometown. Um, and I think so many people, we just get such tunnel vision of executing our, our own goals that you kind of forget that you can do multiple things. Um, and so, yeah, Joe kind of pushed it. And the first year we had a goal to have 500 race participants raise $10,000, um, for living journeys and, uh, have a really good elite racing field. And we sold out the race. We raised $19,000 and we had multiple Olympians compete in the elite race with really good prize money. So, um, wow. Yeah. This year we're hoping to have a thousand people raise $30,000 and again, have another great, um, elite race. So it's, it's a lot of work and you know, it's, everything from ordering porter potties to getting so you're the race director like you're doing that stuff 
yeah. and a little team around you, hopefully. Joe orders the porter potties. Woo! I do the sponsors. Um, oh my gosh. And yeah, and then we have one other person it, who does the wow. permitting. So Great. yeah, we're... And we obviously, in the moment, um, rely a lot on on my family that that's there and our friends to kind of, oh, yeah. you know, at five a.m. setting up cones on the course. Right. And uh, you know, my dad gives up his office to be the elite headquarters. And and there's m- many instances that we're relying right. heavily on our friends and family. But it's it's you know, Joe's ordering the fencing. I'm ordering the banners. I'm getting sponsor dollars. I'm so awesome. you know we're we're doing it. Oh, I love it. And so I need to get up um, September 29th. Yeah, September 29th, Crested Butte, Colorado. If you haven't been, it's the most beautiful place in the world. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and it's worth can, it. Yes, it's worth it. Um, you can register at elkrun5k.com and you can buy merch. We have some cool apparel. Cool. Um, oh, I've and seen some of your posts in it. It's very cool and hip and trendy. I love we it. We don't have any skirts. Merch. <gasps> Sorry. Ooh, I, I, know. I spy a merch opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's really fun. And there's there's live music. Uh, we have an 80s cover band. We have oh, I love it. Um, food and alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages and... Uh, some really great local vendors. Um, there's a VIP dinner that you can buy tickets to that has an auction. There's going to be an after party. Um, it's a whole, it's a whole day event and the course is mostly flat. It's a 5k half on pavement, half on a dirt road. Um, and strollers are allowed. We had, we had kids walking it. We had, you know, Olympians racing it. We had, um, a wide range of talent and ability. We had someone last year skip the race in heels. Like they skipped the whole course in high heels. Oh my gosh. So, you know. Okay, it's one of those. It's one of those. It's It's fun. It's an experience. It's an experience. Okay, well, you've got my vote. And if you sign up before the end of August, you still get an early bird rate, 35 bucks. Yes. Um, And this podcast, it's going to go up before the end of August. Perfect. Well, if you're listening, don't miss out. Sign (laughs) up. Prices go up the first. And you get to meet Emma Coburn. Yeah, I run it with you. And we get to hang out. I love it. Make a weekend out of it. You can help her pick up trash and clean up afterwards because, you know, she's really doing it. Uh, Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to wrap up here with the same question I ask every guest who comes on the show. And that is, if you could leave our listeners with one final piece of advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? That's a really, that's a really good question. I think you have to surround yourself with good people and, and good people as in people that believe in you, but people that push you, um, I'm really lucky to have people that love me unconditionally, but people that challenge me and don't let me accept, um, you know, the status quo. They want me to push and become better, um, but they love me no matter what. So surround yourself with with good people, and uh, and they'll take you far. You can be the next Emma Coburn. <laughs> All right, it's a wrap from Boulder, Colorado. Thanks for Thank having you, me. and good luck next week. I cannot wait to Thank see you. what happens. Fingers crossed. So that's a wrap. And we are sending Emma off swinging to kick ass at her biggest race of the year. It's in a week. If you listen to this the day the podcast comes out, you have a week to get in touch with her. Okay, here's what I think we should do. Let's follow her. Uh, She's got a big Instagram and Facebook following. I say follow both of them. 
Um, and then let's send her messages or post on her page or her account. Um, one thing that I loved about this interview is that she says it's all about surrounding yourself by people who support you. So if we do this, it will give her even more confidence and joy that she is surrounded by people who have her back and people who really care. So write her a note, tell her something about this episode that moved you. Because after all, that's what makes this life truly special, sharing it with others. All right, everyone, that's it for today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.